It's time. It's time. Time to get in the zone. Time to get in the zone. With the 49ers web zone. This is the No Huddle Podcast with Al, Zane, and Brian. This is Odyssey's 49ers web zone, No Huddle Podcast. I'm Al Sacco with Brian Rennick and Zane Nafi. And our guest to kick off the show today is someone I'm very excited to talk to. He is the senior writer for Sports Illustrated. He is Connor Orr. Connor, thanks for the time today. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me, guys. All right, Connor. So we definitely have a lot of Niner talk. There's always drama with the Niners. There's always things to talk about. But before we do that, I want to ask a little bit about you. How did you get to assign from the senior writer? What's your background? Um, So I went to uh, Syracuse. And um, from there, I started working at a paper in New Jersey called the Star Ledger. Um, While I was there, um, ended up uh, covering the Jets and the Giants for a little while. Um, Three years for the Jets, two years for the Giants. Um, Then bounced around to uh, NFL Network, where I was part of the Around the NFL podcast with those guys. And uh, had a great four years there. And um, in 2018, I I got to SI when uh, Peter King had the MMQB go. So, um, yeah, it's been a, it's been a great run so far. Uh, and I love are you it. Here from, are you from New York? Are you from the Syracuse area? I'm from, uh, I'm originally from Pennsylvania, like right outside of, uh, the Scranton area. And I live in New Jersey now. Oh, uh, okay. Cause I'm, I'm, I live in New York and I, I lived in Syracuse for a few years. So yeah, I'm really familiar with SU. So beautiful summers, just very short. Yeah. <laughs> you just got to deal, deal with the winters. So that's right. All right. Then Connor. So. You recently did an article on the 15 best skill position players, and that really caught our eye. And you went the 49ers at number one in the league. You went as far to say they were the greatest collection of skill position players on a team since the Rams' greatest show on turf. What is it about this group that made it so special and made you think that? It's yards after the catch, positional versatility, and blocking ability. You know, I think those are the three things because each one allows you to do so many more things. Like, I, I, you know, yes, would I want Justin Jefferson on my team? 100%. But if I couldn't have Justin Jefferson, and since there's only one Justin Jefferson, can you give me a receiver who can also play running back, a running back who can also play wide receiver, a tight end who's also a wide receiver, a fullback who's also a tight end? And all these guys are, I think three of those players were at the top of yards gained after first contact in the NFL over the last three years. So, I mean, you're just... You know, and Brock Purdy, I think, is good. Um, Jimmy Garoppolo is fine, you know, and but they these guys make them so much better. They elevate them due to their physicality and their versatility. And it seemed it seemed like when McCaff because the Niners having some trouble scoring going back to 2020, 21 and the beginning of 2022. But it seemed like when McCaffrey got in there, just everything started to gel. Is he that kind of Marshall Falk piece to you? Do you think he was the missing piece for them? I don't know if he was a missing piece, but I think he made the entire thing foolproof to the point where, like, if you had that system and you had Christian McCaffrey in addition to everybody else healthy at the same time, it's pretty hard to screw up, right? I mean, good good coaches, good players make good coaches, and Kyle's obviously a great coach. He's got a great schematic eye for everything, but, you know, this is, this is one of those things where it's such a talent abundance that I think it just made their situation really difficult to, to screw up. Do you kind of see them adding any more uh, skill players? Like we talk about post-June first cuts. There's still some guys out there on the free agent market. And there's the, obviously the draft coming up in which they have 11 picks, most of them being later in the draft. Can you see them potentially adding to this skill, skills group? Or 
is it a situation where Kyle Shannon can look at that and be like, you know, I'm I'm happy with what I have there? I don't think you can ever, you know, not be adding to that since it's sort of the the strength in the core of your team, and you have an offense that relies on such specific rules where you know you need a burner on one side you need a physical guy on the other side you need certain things in order to make it run the way that you want it to run and so especially if you have all the compensatory picks you do this year you're going to at least want to be taking swings you know and uh you know because you know especially you find a receiver in the second round or the third round or especially a tight end in the second round or the third round in this market right now and i know they don't have a pick until the third round but um it's it's one of those things where you're saving yourself so much money and you're also building in a little bit of a learning curve because the system does take some time. I mean, you saw that with Brandon Ayuk, right? It's not it's not something where you can walk in and just be really good at it right away. I gotta I gotta ask sorry, Brian. I gotta ask you about Brian Go Brandon Ayuk. What was he was Brandon Ayuk in the doghouse? Was he actually at that point? I'm sure he was, you know, at some point, but I also think like What's interesting about Brandon is like it, it's it's a role in the offense, right? And so like in order to play defense against the 49ers, you know, they're just they're asking you like, okay, we're going to give you three options. What do you want to take away on every play? And a lot of times it was like, okay, Brandon maybe is running more of the vertical concepts, maybe he's going deeper and in, you know, against these kind of umbrella defenses, yeah, we're, we're going to take that away because we don't want to get embarrassed. We don't want to get our pants pulled down and we'll take our death by a thousand paper cuts. And while Brandon might have been struggling to learn the offense and the role and the rules, I think he was also playing a position where simultaneously you're just going to get taken away more, but they need you to do what you do. They need you to be fast. They need you to be linear. They need you to be vertical, you know, and so you know, it's one of those situations where it's like six and one half dozen in the other. There could be, I could see games a lot next year where teams might play them a lot differently. And, and if he's on the roster, he would, he might have a better, better shot at it. You know, one of the things that I've been uh, really hoping that this team would do for a long time now is add a viable tight end to, uh, to that, to that offense. And the last time they had a viable, let me, let me let me change that a little bit. A viable pass catching option at tight end two, and uh, last time they had that really felt like uh, what was it twenty twenty with um, uh, I just lost I just lost his name uh, Jordan Reed Jordan, Jordan Reed, Reed right Reed, yeah. yeah if <clears throat> if the 49ers were to find a player like that in this draft which is deep at tight end. Do you think that that could ev- that could elevate the offense even further, or do you feel like there really isn't a whole lot of room for a second tight end to really elevate what they've already been doing? It's a good question, right? I mean, I think more is always better, but it's you know you're if you're looking at it in in the terms of like resource allocation, it's like okay, I have you know basically what they're really good at is they're good at stick using their guys, their main guys. So are you? Debo, um, Kyle Juszczyk, uh, Kittle, uh, and McCaffrey, they're good at using them to force a defense to stay in, in base, right? And then, 21 personnel. Right, right. And then hammer them in some kind of way out of, um, out of a, a version of that grouping. So uh, would, would having more, another tight end, I mean, sure, it would probably diversify you, but I still think, I'm still convinced, and people can think I'm crazy, that the next evolution of this offense is to add a mobile quarterback to what they're already doing, 
And I think it's going to make a lot of the other wants and needs superfluous to the point where if Trey Lance, I think, plays the way that they think he can play, I think we're going to see the next fold and the next wrinkle and the next evolution in this. And I don't think it's another skill position had. I think it's, I, I think that offense has gone as far as it can go um, based on kind of the interchangeable personnel, if that makes sense. That's actually a really uh, perfect transition, Connor, uh, even though you didn't know. Uh, so we had a question here and it, it was this, it's what are, what are your overall thoughts on Trey Lance? You know, with everything that has come out this week at the owners meetings with John Lynch's comments on Monday, Kyle Shanahan's comments on Tuesday, we had a very ranty episode on Tuesday talking about that quarterback room. Um, you know, it, it does appear based on some comments from, from Shanahan and Lynch that this is Purdy's team when he's healthy, but do you still buy into Lance's future, even though he is as green as he is? And it sounds like, again, your in your mind, that that element that Lance brings would would elevate this offense even more. Yeah, I mean, here here's sort of my take on it, right? Is that by the end of next year, let's say, more than half of the league is going to be running this offense, right? In some yeah. way, shape, or form, right? Mm -hmm. And so I think we're at like 40% the last time that I checked. And so, but, but none of those teams that run it, and again, correct me if I'm wrong, have a quarter a mobile quarterback. Um, I don't know if I'm missing anybody or if I'm maybe underplaying somebody's athleticism, but when half the league is running an offense and 100% of the defensive coordinators are spending their entire offseason preparing for basically the outer reaches of what that system can do, Trey Lance is the one guy that can blow that whole thing up. Brock Purdy can't. Brock Purdy can follow the rules better than Trey Lance, but mm -hmm. Trey Lance can dictate new rules. And so uh, that was always my understanding of the impetus behind the pick and you know whether or not they want to keep pushing in that direction, I'm not sure, but it's just like, to me, it makes all the sense in the world to throw all your investments behind him. And, you know, Purdy's not going anywhere. He's not costing you anything and you're not losing him at any point, you know? So I don't know. I, I think you'd give it another go with Trey Lance. And the kind of 49ers have kind of been the exception to the rule where they've been to the NFC championship game and then farther three of the last four years. Now, most teams that you see go on runs like that have a franchise QB, Patrick Mahomes, Tom Brady. We even give the example of Dominic McNabb for the Eagles back in the early 2000s. He was one of the best QBs in the league. The Niners have kind of done it without a franchise guy. So I guess when you look at Kyle Shanahan in the way that he's kind of gone through quarterbacks, because that's kind of been the hot button topic right now, Connor, with 49ers fans is Shanahan's a great coach. We all know that. But the way he's gone through quarterbacks from Garoppolo and then he didn't want Garoppolo. Well, first he wanted Kirk Cousins and then Garoppolo and then he wants to move away from Garoppolo and then he flirts with Stafford and Watson and Lance and now Purdy. So do you, how, what is your take on how Kyle's kind of handled this quarterback situation? And do you think maybe he just wants sort of an extension of him and he doesn't feel like he needs sort of a franchise guy? I don't know. I mean, I think when he's had a true franchise guy like Matt Ryan, right, he's been really good, right? And he mm -hmm. made the Super Bowl and um, almost won a Super Bowl, should have won a Super Bowl. And so I think all the other stuff has just been conditional of the time and the moment where um, maybe the finances didn't work out or a trade didn't work out in one way, shape or form or another. Or some guy wasn't available, but I don't think he's doing anything wrong per se. Like even mm -hmm. when they drafted Trey Lance, right? Trey was super raw, but he had Trey basically outsourced to 
the quarterbacks, private quarterbacks coach that he trusted the most. And so he's getting better information on this guy than anybody else on planet earth. And so like, I think the, the decisions are informed. It's a calculated risk, but what else would you have, I, I guess, like, would you want him to go Mac Jones in that draft? I don't know. I mean, you put at a slightly better first season, maybe he's still healthy. I think he would have mm-hmm. been pretty awful in that offense, to be honest. And so I, I don't like he hasn't made a lot of mistakes. I think he's just kind of, you know, this is the story of a lot of teams, right? This is why Matt Rule got fired. Like, you know, he he, he took seven or eight swings at the at the position. He missed out on Matt Stafford, Sam Darnold, Baker Mayfield, and so you lose your job. And it, it you yeah. know, but Kyle has if I'm an owner, right? I'm like, I recognize the ability, the inability to get a franchise quarterback that happens. We took our shot. We missed. Uh, okay. Like now what do we do? But if there ever comes another guy in the market and he has a choice between where he's going to want to go, San Francisco is going to be the first team on his list. Cause every quarterback yeah. wants to play in that system. And a lot of guys want to play for Kyle. It sounds like you still really believe in Trey Lance from what you're saying. You, you think there's still a future there? Yeah, I mean, I think he's just raw. That's all. I mean, he didn't get a ton. You know, there there wasn't a ton of reps in college, and you can't replicate that. And you also can't expect him to come from a basic read and react offense like you do at North Dakota State, you know, to the NFL and do Kyle Shannon to a very pro style offense, you know, and it's going to take time. Brock Purdy had like 50 starts in college, you know, yeah. and he saw more football. And so I don't know. I, I would say give him a chance to see more football. Now, only thing I've been disappointed in with Trey has been, I I thought he was going to be much better of a power runner than he was. He really, you know, and kind of got stopped at the line a lot, kind of got like, mm-hmm. you know, hammered by guys when I thought he would be putting his shoulder down. But again, it's not like you can teach a guy to do that. He's, he's giant. He got the hard part down, the God-given part, right? So, you know, he's giant and fast. So, you know, I don't know. I, I don't like to throw that, that kind of stuff away. I, I got to ask Connor, you one we thing. really oh, go ahead, Sorry, I, I have one more follow-up uh, as, as long as we're talking about the draft uh, last year's draft, but I, I have a question about this year's draft for you. And there's a school of thought amongst 49ers fans that they should be drafting a quarterback every year in the later rounds to, to maybe find the next Brock Purdy. Do you think that Kyle takes a stab at this, this year with so many picks late and with this current quarterback situation, could we see a flyer late in the draft or an undrafted free agent potentially make a move here? I mean, I don't see why not. I mean, Ron Wolf did that for years, right, with Green Bay, and I don't think it's a bad um, roster-building strategy. It all just depends on where that lines up on your list of wants and needs. Like, if there's a throwaway seventh-round pick and you have a kid with 60 starts, 50 or 50 college starts that's available, I would do it. You know, why not? Uh, you know, I, I think it's, you know, it's it's one of those things that's such a valuable asset, and they've just been unlucky in terms of quarterback injuries. So you have to recognize that and accept it. Thanks, Connor. Appreciate it. Thanks, Connor. All right, bye-bye. All right, you guys. Transitioning on, I think the big news, Sam, I'm always thinking, what what am I? What are we going to talk about today? There's, I think the big news is Brandon Ayuk. I think that's what I want to talk about. And there's been some rumblings out there that people are approaching the 49ers with trades. And then there's been some rumors that maybe the 49ers are exploring would they trade Ayuk. So this has got me thinking because – I think we always talk about the window and they would be nuts to trade him this year. Absolutely insane. Why would you trade your best pure wide receiver this year? He has two years left with, after they exercise his, they have exercises options. So he's going to be here for two more years. Why, why would you do that? Why? But we've seen in the past with the Forrest Buckner, 
Niners had put a price on him. Buckner wanted more. They end up trading him. Mike McGlinchey, they admitted that, man, maybe they should have traded him last year, that they explored to trade him last year because then he, he walks away with nothing. I think Ayuk is going to be here this year, barring, you know, just a crazy offer that they get. But next year, if he's not somebody that the Niners see in their long-term plans, or he's not somebody that the Niners think they could sign long-term, I could see them trading him. And I was able to smoke their spire. And it seems like there's a lot of smoke right now. And, and Ayuk has come out and said some things too. Um, he tweeted about being a fourth option and still getting a thousand yards. And he actually wasn't the fourth option. And I'll get into that a little bit, but um, I can see where I, I think they should bring him in long-term, but I could see a world where he's not. I could see a world where maybe we're looking at the last season of Brandon Ayuk. So this is where I feel like Kyle's system shines a little bit where you feel like you can get rid of a Brandon Ayuk and replace him with equivalent production, maybe not from a first round pick, but maybe from another source because Brandon Ayuk coming into the draft, he was, he was rated pretty decently well, but there are other receivers rated ahead of him. There's Jerry Judy and CD lamb and, and Ayuk was the third receiver taken that year. So I think that, that in itself shows that Kyle's system can really make something out of a receiver that has talent, but really is, is a, a fantastic scheme fit more than anything. I think that he fits the scheme perfectly in what, what Kyle wants, wants him to do. A lot of people have talked about maybe De- Debo being redundant because of Christian McCaffrey being there. I don't buy that. I think that if they just let Debo be a wide receiver, not, not a gadget guy, he would be, he would be much, much more useful than, than, than he was saved in last year. But I don't know. I think that they feel like they can draft a receiver and develop them. Then you might be seeing the last year of Brandon Ayuk. You might be seeing that because you're running into a situation where your core is now getting older and those guys are all under their second contracts and you have to resign them, resign them all. And there's a limited amount of cap to go around. So who do you look at? Ayuk might be one of those guys. I said that I had uh, a hot take that I was uh, kind of either sitting on or, or still trying to formulate and Zane hinted at it. And that was that I feel like Debo Samuel uh, or Christian McCaffrey has made Debo Samuel a little bit redundant in the San Francisco 49ers offense. Really? You're and, thinking that too? Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, lines, right? <laughs> and, and I actually think that that is true. You do not. I, and I think it is true. And I look at, I look at Debo Samuel as uh if you just look at Debo Samuel as a pure wide receiver Debo Samuel in 2021 there was no wide receiver in the NFL who dropped more passes than Debo Samuel he dropped 12 right and his value in 2021 came when he started running the ball more right and he became damn near unstoppable now granted he did have a, what was it? Almost 1400 yards. So it's not like, it's not, I'm not saying that he can't be a wide receiver one, but they didn't use him like that last year. And it felt weird. And, and I don't know if that had to do more with Debo's contract situation and essentially his, his holdout or his hold in, if you will, before his extension, um, you know, not necessarily uh, ready for, for camp. Uh, I do know that there were reports from beat reporters that when he showed up to camp, he, he did look out of shape. He looked bigger. Um, But the other thing about Debo Samuel is that that contract that he has, 
uh, right now in 2023, his cap hit is only $8.6 million. But in 2024, that cap hit jumps to 28.5. That's his cap hit next year. Mm-hmm. And then if you add on Brandon Ayuk's fourth or sorry, fifth year option, that's 14 million. So now you're paying 32 and a half million dollars to two wide receivers. And that doesn't necessarily seem like a recipe for uh, successful roster management. Now you could get Brandon's fifth year option, right? Exercise that. And they're going to, and then work out a long-term extension with him, which would lower that cap hit next year so that he and Debo aren't having massive cap hits at the same time because Debo's contract also is after this season is only two more years, right? It was a four year uh, extension. And so you could, you could craft a contract extension for Ayuk that would essentially have lower cap hits when Debo is still on the team. And then his big cap hit comes once Debo is gone, right? Cause Debo is signed through his uh, age 29 season. And, and to me, Brandon Ayuk offers you more as a wide receiver than Debo Samuel does. He's a better route runner. He gets more separation and he has more reliable hands. And so if I am trying to plan for my future, I think my future is brighter with Ayuk than it is with Debo. And that's no shade to Debo at all. At all. I love Debo Samuel. He's a bowling ball with knives when he runs with the football. Like it, it's it's so much fun to watch him. But his versatility is not necessarily as needed anymore as it was prior to Christian McCaffrey's arrival. And that's where I think it becomes a little bit redundant. I will be interested to see what the offense looks like next year. If Debo is uh, doing more uh, just traditional receiver uh, role, if you will. But I, if I had to choose between Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk, I would choose Brandon Ayuk. And that, that's just my opinion. And, and Debo didn't have a great season. Uh, you know, he, he put on the Superman act in 2021, but in 2022, he had a lot of the lowest numbers of his career. His yards per target was 6.7. In his career, 2019, it was 9.9, 8.9 in 2020, 11.6 in 2021 when he was an All-Pro. Just down to 6.7 last year. Catch percentage in his career from 2019 on, 70.4%, 75%, 63.6%. This year was down to 59.6%. His yards per reception. 14.1 in 2019, 11.8 in 2020, 18.2 in 2021, and 11.3 this year. So, so that was the lowest of his career. He he didn't have his best season by any stretch of the imagination. Now, Ayuk said in this tweet, so I thought it was kind of interesting. He said, 1K is the fourth option in a run-first offense, with laugh emojis. I'm as real as it get, word to little baby and SG. I don't know what that means. I'm ready to stand on business every time you're four. So he's basically saying he was the fourth option in the offense and he still put up these numbers. And I started to think about it. And I'm like, wait, was he really the fourth option in the offense? So I went and looked at it. Now targets per game. Now in the passing offense, 
he was pretty much the second option. Targets per game, Debo had 7.2 to lead the team. Ayuk was second at 6.8. So he was second in, in targets per game in the passing offense. Kittle was at 5.7. McCaffrey was at 5.9. Now, touches, he is third. You know, McCaffrey is the first option. Debo was the second. And then I'd say Ayuk was the third. I'd say the fourth option in the offense right now is George Kittle. So Ayuk is somewhere between two and three, maybe depending on the game type thing. If he's more involved than Debo is, obviously the offense pretty much goes through McCaffrey right now. But Ayuk did the most with his targets. So he had 8.9 yards per target. Him and Kittle both did. And then McCaffrey had 7.1 and Debo, like I said, was 6.7. So I think to your point, Brian, I think Brandon Ayuk is the best wide receiver on, on the football team. I don't, I don't think there's any question about that. And we're, it's going to be interesting to see where the Niners want, want to go with this. Now, we talked however long ago about we think there's a two-year window and we're over all these players where they pretty much have two seasons left. So by the time Ayuk is a free agent, you're going to have um, Eric Armstead's contract's going to be up. Trent Williams likely won't be on the team. Christian McCaffrey, eh, you know, he's a running back. He takes a lot of hits. Is he going to be there in three years? I don't know. Debo. Is he, is he gone after two years? So obviously they're going to have to replace these players too. They're going to need a left tackle. They have to replace Eric Armstead. Um, Hargrave's contract will be up in three years, but they can get out of it anyway. So there's going to be a lot of people they have to pay to replace. But the point of this is they'll also have the money to pay Brandon Ayuk if they want to. Right. They should have the cash to do that. And I mean, well, we'll see if this team ever has a quarterback that they want to pay. Maybe it's Kirk Cousins. Who knows? But oh God. The money will be there to pay him. So it's his future is really interesting because I think he's a guy with the arrow pointed up, but he may also say to them, listen, this is what you guys are offering me. If I go on the open market, I'm getting 20 mil a year. Somebody's going to pay me as a number one. And that really, that might happen. You saw what Christian Kirk got paid because they felt Jacksonville felt he could be a number one. I think if Ayuk goes out there, there's a lot of teams that are saying this dude is a number one receiver. In our pad, in our passing offense, so it's really interesting to see where where this whole thing goes in the next year plus. I think he's a franchise candidate. He's a franchise tag candidate for sure. Yeah, but I don't think he'll, I think he'd lose his mind. But but the thing is, I know I know. But the thing is, is that in order to keep keep him under team control, at least for for one more year after the contract expires, they'll they'll probably consider it. And the reason why is because, like you said it takes one crazy deal to reset the market and that was christian kirk's deal right after that all of the receiver deals were just like crazy they were ridiculous so i think to guard themselves against that the niners can can ensure that at least if they franchise him they'll get something in return if somebody else signs him if he declines the if he if he signs somebody else or he becomes a trade candidate if he just doesn't want to play here anymore right and then you can get something back for him but i don't know al if they sign him to a long-term deal and this is why you have three years to win a Super Bowl here. I'm just going to say, I'm going to make that declaration right now. Kyle Shanahan has three years because he's entering year seven. At that point, he'll be entering year 10 or completing year 10. And a lot of these guys, the core, they're signed up for, like you said, Al, like you pointed out, three years. And beyond that, you're looking at a really complicated salary cap situation where the Niners like to like the backload a lot of deals. And, you know, obviously the, the cap will go up too. But you're looking at an aging core at that point and you're in between. Do you rebuild or do you continue with your aging core? And at that point, I would hope that Kyle settled the quarterback situation. We know what the quarterback is, but again, you have to pay a quarterback as well at some point within these next three years. And I got to think that if he hasn't won anything in after 10 years on this, at the, at the helm of this team, 
then a lot of people are looking at that and be like, all right, like at what point are we looking at this? How, how much time are we willing to give this? It's been a decade. How much time do you need? Like, do you need 15 years, 20 years before you do something? And people say, well, look at Andy Reid. Andy Reid had to change teams to have that happen. It, it wasn't done in the same city. And even then, he ran into a situation where it was a historic collapse by the 49ers. Only, that's the only thing that got him his first Super Bowl ring, right? And then the Eagles, the Eagles, the the equivalent of that happened with the Eagles as well when they gave up a 10-point fourth quarter lead too. So that being said, I don't know. I I don't know if they signed him long term. I really don't. If you if you look at the over the cap, right, and you look at the 49ers uh contract commitments in 2025, and you look at their cap numbers. Now, again, I'm just saying cap numbers, right? That doesn't mean a ton because for example, Trent Williams' cap number in 2025 is $30.4 million. He will count $30 million against the cap in 2025 if he plays. But if they release him, he has a dead cap hit of $8.2 million, meaning that they could save $22 million in cap space, right? So that's what mm-hmm. I mean. Like, I'm just going to give you the numbers, though, because that idea of franchising him, do we know, if, if someone could look it up right now, because I don't know the answer, if if someone were to franchise a wide receiver right now, what would that number look like? Because in 2025, Trent is 30.4 million. Kittle is 17.5. McCaffrey is 12.2. Again, none of that guaranteed. Warner is 26.8. Debo is 24.2. Hargrave is 26 and a half. And Charbarius Ward is 12.3 million. Mm-hmm. Those are massive contracts. Now, yeah, for all of those that I listed, the really the only ones that you're like, well, you can't. I mean, you could you could cut all of those guys and get cap space, right? Uh, because your dead cap is lower than what their cap number would be. But if you say that you know you wanna you wanna cut Fred Warner, that's a seventeen million dollar dead cap hit. Debo is a fifteen. Uh, million dollar dead cap hit hargrave is an 18.6 million dollar dead cap hit all of charvarius's all of charvarius ward's money in 2025 is fully guaranteed so if you cut him you take you take a 12.3 million dollar dead cap hit so obviously they wouldn't do that um so i don't know again i don't know what that number would be to franchise iuk but it looks like it looks like so it's 18.4 right now brian for projected i found by 2024 they projected to be 24.8 million so then you'd be paying (laughs) you'd be paying Ayuk on a franchise tag 24.8 and you'd be paying debo 24.2 so again you'd be spending 50 million dollars on your two wide receivers there's no way that's happening but like i said but also if you if you trade debo samuel that dead cap hit is 15 million so you get nine million in in in, in relief there, um, and I don't know what that looks like for for whatever team would trade for him. But mm-hmm. you know he becomes a lot cheaper for whatever team trades for him because a lot of that guaranteed money again got pushed by the way that they did the contract. So you know the I know uh, Javi right uh, friend of the show friend of all of us right he is he has talked about. Uh, on Twitter over the past few days that they can't afford to sign Brandon Ayuk. I still don't think that that's fully true. Um, I think they have to decide if they want to or not. And again, I'm hard pressed to think that 
Ayuk isn't the guy that you prioritize over Debo Samuel. At least he is for me. Yeah, and this is going to be. Sorry, Zan, I was going to say it's, it's going to be 2025. This is going to be a drastically different team. 100. percent Keep saying it's two years, two years, 2023 and 2024. Okay, and then it's, it's and, going to be and those numbers don't even include the likely 30 million dollars or whatever that you're paying Nick Bosa. Right. That and Kyle's extension that you potentially have to give that doesn't count against the cap. No, right? it doesn't. Yeah. It's just fun. It's just fun to talk about, right? We're just talking about money, right? So, yeah. And the forty-three million they're going to pay Kirk Cousins in two thousand and twenty-four. Oh my god! They can't. They can't do that, man. Like after all of this, they they can't. Like Kyle's just obsessed with mediocre quarterbacks, isn't he? Just I mean, I'm not calling. I'm not calling like Brock or Trey and any of them mediocre. But man, why can't you just sign a Tom Brady or an Aaron Rodgers or somebody like that just once, Kyle? Just once, there, one time. There were there were a couple of content creators that you know we have relationships with that were at the combine uh, that were saying yesterday that some of the scuttlebutt at the combine was if Purdy's surgery ended up being Tommy John and not the brace procedure that there were they were already laying the groundwork for a uh, Lance for Cousins trade. Oh God, man. It's never, it's never going away. It's never going away until Kirk Cousins is retired and Mm -hmm. it's just never going away ever. Even seven seven years, seven years. He's he's Kyle Shanahan's muse. You guys, that's his muse. Oh my God. (laughs) And, but you guys realize if things go to shit with their QBs this year or in whatever way, it's it's going to come up again. It's kind of never going away. You know, Kyle, let me me get through this year just so I can get Kirk Cousins next year. God damn it. Oh, my God. (laughs) He's not scouting any quarterbacks in the 2023 draft because Kirk Cousins is going to be a free agent. I can't. I can't. Uh, He is just unbelievable. Hey, Uh, you know what, guys? You know what's what's fun? You know what's more fun than talking about Kirk Cousins? Opening day. And also, actually, before we talk about opening, no, it's day, not hey, fun to talk about. <laughs> Ryan Reddick, I'm I'm looking at you. Congratulations, yes. sir. Congratulations, what? the Sacramento Kings. Oh, thank you. Yes, yes. The division. It's a champions. big deal. It's it's a big a deal, deal here in the nine one six guys. It's it's been sixteen long years. The drought is over. The drought, the drought is, is over. over, and they're a fun team. They're just a fun team to watch. They're so. a fun team. You know who yeah. else is a fun team? Out the New York Yankees are a fun team. Yeah, Listen. they've got fun players on their team. Yeah. I'm already I'm I'm a crazy person. Like I'm a straight crazy person. So they won five nothing today. Yeah, they did. Should be happy. Good opening day win. I'm like, no, nope. you're not happy because Same, Logan not happy. Same Logan shit as last well, year. They struck out 16 times. Those two teams struck out 32 times today. 32 so times. I, I like to I like to think that the Giants actually struck out 24 times because eight of those 16 were looking, and I count those as two. One, because you struck out, and two, because you embarrassed yourself because you didn't even try. So, Is yeah. that what you tell your da- your, your daughters at your eight-year-old softball? 100%. Game? You, better not, you better not be looking on Yo, strike dude, three. My, that's so funny. My dad used to yell at me when he used to strike out looking. I was just like, I would, there would be times where like I, I I knew the ball was by me, and I would just like put like a swing. The like, ball's right in the catcher's mitt, and I just put like a swing. I just, yeah, just I so I don't get yelled at. I don't get yelled at. Back in the stands, be like, I didn't see I swung. Like, I didn't do it, right? So Yeah, I, I love it. I, I just can't. I, I was the same way with my son and yeah. my daughter, but like they, um, 
you scar your kids doing that, I think, kind of. So of course, like, certainly, yeah, certainly. Yeah, to, yeah. to kind yeah. of stop that for a while. But shout out to my son in his first JV game yesterday as ninth grader. He struck out the side. So, Let's go. Shout out to him Baby Sacco. It was very cool. Let's go. Let's go. Very cool. Love it. Throwing, Love throwing it. high Congrats. 60s right now. So, Dad, there you go. Yes. Throwing gas. Love it. Throwing Love gas. It. But, yeah, so opening day, I'm, I'm excited. Yankees are going to be good. They're going to win their 95 games, and then they're going to lose in the playoffs because they're going to strike out 75 million times in the playoffs. And I'm going to lose my freaking mind. But lose my mind. Their pitching's good, but. Yeah, hey, and the Giants won't be good, and oh, they won't God. make the playoffs, and they'll still strike out at that level uh, as well. So let's just put hey, a how about the playoffs to look forward to. Yeah, let's how about Giants PSA. fans? Um, had to watch Aaron Judge homer in the first at bat. I, I saw that. I was like, oh, God. It's just, it was just, yeah. I mean, it, like, it was just a dagger. Just like, and, but also, like, why wouldn't that have happened? I mean, of course. <laughs> like, like, why did we not expect that? Hey, hey, PSA to all Giants fans, do not yeah. show up. I mean, you could show up at Don't, opening day, like, whatever. That's fine. Have your fun. Sure. But after that, do not show Make up. Make it a ghost town. Make it a ghost town. You know why? Because Farhan Zaidi and the Giants ownership group, do not care about winning. They don't. They care about making money. That's why Farhan Zaidi is there because they want to minimize roster costs, maximize profit. They were number, they were top five. What it, what it was in, in in profits last year. That number two, Second. them and the A's because they don't care about winning. They put out a mediocre product and they realize that people will still buy the merch, still show up to to the games, still have the TV contracts, all that stuff that make them money. Hand them in the pocketbook. Show them that you care. This is unacceptable. Look, I'm a new Giants fan, right? Like I was like Giants in the years past, but I'm a new Giants fan. And this pisses me off because this is exactly what I went through with the A's and exactly what they're doing over there. The, the, the only difference is, is that they have a crappier park. That's it. The exact same thing is going on over there and you can't let that happen. Did you think the Korea and Judge stuff was just for show? Like they didn't really, to some did they really push for those guys? Really? Some I, I, don't, I, I don't think it was for show, but um I think they were too easily played uh, yeah. by by Judge, and then I think they, I think they got cold feet. I think they found a reason not to do that contract. So, yeah, whatever. With, with, it is what it is now. But hey, hey, opening day when you trot out Wilmer Flores in the three hole, you're a hundred percent. You are one hundred percent trying to win baseball games. Absolutely. I, I don't know how. I don't know how you could judge that any other way. And I guarantee that Shohei Otani watched that game today and is just chomping at the bit to join that Giants team because they look good. Yes. Come over to the dark side, guys. (laughs) Never, never, never. (laughs) Just give in. Oh, boy. All right. Let's get out of here, man. That's it. If anybody's (laughs) even still listening once we stop talking about football. (laughs) Thanks for listening. Appreciate it. Later. See you. Peace. Nine is on three! One, two, three! Twenty four hundred sports is an Odyssey company. 